0: This is episode number 190 of the Rise Man Podcast with Joshua Winner. This is more than just a movement. It's a way of life. What's up, Rising Man family? Thank you for joining me here again today. Jetty Azuma checking in behind the mic. If you don't know me by now, I am the host of this podcast and the creator of the Rising Man movement. So grateful to have you joining me here today. I wanna give you a special invitation before we get started today. And I want you to go ahead and check out our Ignite program. It's our 12-week online course that we created to be a starter pack, a launch pad, an initiation sequence for every man out there. Whether you've been doing the work for years or you're just getting started, it's the perfect way for you to clarify your values, to dig into some of those deeper layers of wounding, of challenge, of trauma that's been holding you back for years, just holding you back, and a way for you to build a strategy, a real tangible strategy moving forward. In my opinion, it's one of the best ways for you to take that big leap forward in your life today, the one that you've been waiting for, the one that you've been feeling coming on. So if that resonates with you. Scoot over to risingman.org slash ignite. Get yourself signed up today. Promise me you're not going to regret it. It's a really, really powerful program. All right, my guest for today is Joshua Wenner. He is an entrepreneur, veteran, filmmaker, and emotional resilience expert. He spent the last 20 years growing companies, maximizing human potential, and is the founder of Emotional Resilience Training, ERT. His curriculum and frameworks are being used to help first responders, veterans, and professionals who deal with grief, loss, and trauma to reintegrate back into life. In this episode, Joshua was dropping bombs left and right, (laughs) straight up, just dropping them left and right. First, we dropped in around the growth and service mindset he utilizes in his life and in his work that was largely inspired by his military service and his athletic background. Joshua shared the tribe triangle from his partner, Philip Folsom, and the four levels that ensure a strong foundation for community. We discussed the importance of healthy conflict and relationships, specifically between men, and why it's been so hard for men to compete with one another in a positive and productive way. Lastly, we discussed resiliency and specific protocols and practices that Joshua uses to keep himself together in the eye of the storm. Without further ado, Joshua Wenner. All right, Rising Man fam, I've got another fantastic man joining me here today, Joshua Wenner coming in hot out of Reno, Nevada. Is it hot
1: out there right now? You know, it is. It's hot, but it's also a little smoky. We just have a bunch of fires around here. So it's like hot, but it's covered by the smoke and
0: uh, grateful to be here with you, Jetty. Appreciate you being here, man. It's been a long time coming. We first met, I want to say it's almost two years ago now. It'd probably be two years this coming fall when we Mm -hmm. first met. And at that time, I remember just meeting you and feeling really congruent with the energy that you had and getting to witness you develop your movement and pioneer your mission over the past couple of years has been really beautiful, man. So I'm excited to have you on here today, finally, and, and drop into this dialogue. Thanks, brother.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited as well. And I have the same thing. I think as men, especially when we're deep doing the work and you know looking at our shadows and owning our shit there comes a moment when we can recognize integration. And I, I saw the same immediate thing with you, like ah, integrated man doing the work, owning his power. And we have just a deep soul connection. So grateful to be here
0: with you and, and in on whatever you're in with. So grateful to be here. Heck yeah, man. Well, I can't wait to hear your answer to this question. I ask everybody this one. And and for you, what does it mean to be a man? Hmm.
1: What does it mean to be a man?
0: Yeah, for me, it, it goes back to my values. And for
1: me, that means to grow and to surf. So I'd say at the, at the crux of being a man is, I'm willing to grow and that growth could look like a number of things, whether it's discipline to you know set my vision and follow my vision, whether it's looking at the hard parts of life that we don't always want to look at, whether it's taking accountability, whether it's being vulnerable, uh, like whatever that growth looks like, as a man I'm willing to grow and I'm willing to step through that door and then the growth is really guided by service. So I feel like the foundation of what I'm guided by is less about the self and looking for external validation, which I would say more is boy. And I'd say man is more the evolved part of like I'm looking to serve, looking to serve myself, my family, my community, you know, my business partners, my allies. Right. So
0: it's those are the crux for me. It's to grow and to serve. I love that, man. I love the simplicity of it. So growth and service, where did you pick that up as your definition of what it means to be a man? Was there an individual or a community that stands out when you think about that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've I've been in military, I've been in athletics, I've been in a lot of different
1: honor-based cultures. And a lot of the honor-based cultures is about service and, and serving something greater than self. And I think that's always been a foundation of where, where I'm at. And I've always been addicted to growth, whether it was I was a speaker and trainer with Tony Robbins. I've been in personal development for a long, long time. I was listening to him as a little kid when I grew up hunting and fishing. And my dad would play Tony Robbins as a kid, probably embedded some of that growth. and But it really integrated or became more of a really clear value when I partnered with my business partner in K4 and in valor, Philip Folsom. And he's been in leadership and resiliency for a long time as well. And we sat down actually before we formed the partnership and He has a framework called the tribe triangle, which is how you build a healthy culture. And the first foundation of that is alignment on vision, values, and mission. And we sat down and kind of hashed out and initially I had all kinds of different values and he had all kinds of different values. And then when we really distilled it down, we both landed on these were the strongest in our nervous systems and the strongest that we initially had, I think, four or five. We had honor and we had a bunch of other ones. And then as we kept evolving, it was like, oh no, these two primary values are what direct us because growth really is guided by service and service guides growth. So they were interchangeable and they also really drove us. So I think that's when I was like, oh, this is who I am and what I'm about. And it also gave me directions to follow like, who do I align with? Who are my allies? If I'm choosing a partner, I'm dating now, I'm single, who has alignment there? So it just really made it simple for me, a boundary to follow around those values of how
0: to live my life as a man, and follow a set of of values that I can feel integrated in who I am. Mm. So there's two things I really want to hear more about. First of all, I just wanna to speak to the values piece and making sure there's congruency there. I'm currently going through that exercise with some members in, in my community, my family, my best friend's family, another friend of ours, because we're we're working on building the foundation of community, because we really wanna raise our children together and mm. and steward a piece of land. And we've been parts of, separately, we've been parts of different experiments in community and communal living, collaborative lifestyle. And one of the things we recognized was it's like you're starting to speak the language without understanding the alphabet, unless you have conversation about values and vision and standards going into it. So I just wanted to spotlight that because there's some congruency right there. I'm really interested in this concept of the tribe triangle. You said that was uh, Philip, was. It's, that's his concept. Yeah. So what are the other two points of the triangle?
1: Yeah. So there's four different points. And the, the big picture around this is the reason Philip and I partnered is I've spent 20 years more on the individual, helping individuals get results. Whether it's through deep shadow work, whether it's through business entrepreneurship, it was always more individual focused, and I'm really good at that. What he was really good at is frameworks, and mm. I was struggling to take what I was doing and put it into frameworks. And when we partnered, he's been teaching this to like SpaceX and big organizations as Red Bull, as as well as also like veteran groups and we're also both veterans. So so that's just a little framing on where that came from from him. And so mm-hmm. the tribe trying, and he's big on wolves and kinship and community and anthropology of where it originates from and a lot of the mythopoetic background, which makes it fun and creative. So the tribe triangle is one of the frameworks we teach in K4 and it came from Philip. And the foundation is how to build a healthy culture. And the foundation is alignment and that's aligning with your vision your mission and your values. And so big picture around that. Values would be what guides the direction. like This is what we subscribe to. Your vision is where you're going, big, big picture. And then the mission is how you do it. Like What are the habits you do? What, how do you integrate that? And what's the code, if you will, that everybody lives by? Once you have alignment on that piece, the next piece it moves into is kinship. And so alignment's the bottom tier, the next is kinship. And the framework or model we use for that is the archetypes. So we align on the archetypes to understand how to have healthy kinship. And I know you're familiar with the king, lover, warrior, magician. That's the primary one we use. And it's either with our group K4. It stands for king of the four archetypes or the four houses. That's what we're doing is we're mastering that so we can learn how to go from our metaphor would be prince to king or adolescent to adult man. And it also teaches us how to engage with each other, recognize our own trauma signs. And really, if you have that kinship level, then the next level is healthy conflict. And a lot of sports teams, whether it be military, sports, they usually have the the bottom two done really well. They can engage in kinship, they can engage in alignment, but where they struggle is in healthy conflict and it usually shows up more adolescent. So engaging in healthy conflict is a combination of bringing your wild man from Iron John, which is really just your authenticity. How do you learn to bring your authentic nature? And then how do you communicate in a way that other people can receive it? So if you understand... The archetypes, you can understand where somebody's coming from and you can communicate in their world and have that healthy conflict. And at the very top is resiliency. So in the very top of that, that tribe triangle, you can create a healthy tribe that's highly functioning if they can have alignment, kinship, healthy conflict. And when you're running on all cylinders, that's when you really reach that resiliency, which mm-hmm. is a high driving team. And the, and the test of that is, can you step away from the culture and the culture still runs following the same principles, guidelines without you having to
0: be there? So that's really the the test of it. And by you being there, you mean the the leader, the one who's kind of captaining the charge? Correct. Correct. Yeah. First, we have to lead ourselves, right? If we have
1: to begin ourselves to do these things and put these things in place, then next we can lead a group. And then the third phase is, can we actually let it, does it run without us? Which means the culture is now driving that, the ship versus the leaders. Cause I'm a big, we're big advocates on self-driven teams. And if you have a strong enough mission, like we were just talking about SpaceX last night, Philip, my partner, does a lot of coaching and they have a big vision. Like it's, they want to basically turn Mars into a place that we can live on. And so that vision is so big that people are willing to do whatever it takes. And and they don't even direct a lot of the culture. It's just people are really striving to do it. So if you can create the right type of culture, people know what to follow. And they also know if they don't align, which is a big Mm -hmm. piece of it. Like we find in ours, if guys aren't growth and service focused, they're not going to resonate. There's other cultures that maybe fit them better. So it just allows you to get clear on what you are, what you aren't. And it also allows you to make decisions because when a decision comes in, instead of it being more of a self decision, you more go, how does this follow our mission, vision, values? Does it align? So just, it makes it easier for decisions, choices, and then everybody to start to embody that same principle.
0: Yeah, and I find it also takes a lot of the emotions out of it. I find that one of the poisons of community and, and culture is emotion. If, if we get if we let our emotions get involved and then that feeds that conflict in an unhealthy way, then it tears it away from the inside out. That's why, you know for me, values and standards, it makes it really simple, like you said. It's like, hey, do we align here or do we not? And if we have these standards and agreements for how we conduct ourselves, it's black and white. There's no room for interpretation there. It's are you or aren't you? Am I or am I not? And so as long as we uphold that and spend the time getting clear on it, it can save a lot of challenge and, and discomfort later on down the road.
1: Yeah. And and I feel like that also rings true again as the individual, right? So I think as a man, choosing to say, what do I, what are my standards, what are my values, what is my mission, what is my vision, it also takes the emotion out of it, just goes, uh, oh, does this potential partner meet it? If not, mm-hmm. then I can let go. Or I can be very clear in my communication of here's my needs. Here's my boundaries. Here's who I am and how I live. So at least you know my journey has been moving, which I'm still practicing, right? I still fall off. I still move in adolescent ways and, and I'm just much more aware. Mm-hmm. And I believe choice is a function of awareness. So the more awareness that we have, the more we can choose. But in that, I can say, oh, wait, this is my old pattern. This is my old you know, trauma responsive, I'm in the trauma triangle of the savior, victim, villain, or I'm in some sense of that. And I can take ownership and say, oh no, what are my needs? What are my boundaries? How do I communicate that? And so I believe it it also gives us a directive to run as a man. And it also gives us a directive as a culture. And it does, when you remove the emotion, (laughs) it gets simpler, but we still need community. I think that's the other big thing that I'm learning is, and I know we've talked about this before as well. I've been a lone wolf for a long time. I followed Mm -hmm. that old story of masculinity which was like you do it as a you know a man on your own you shove down your problems and you just you know get busy and push ahead and i ended up lonely i ended up lonely and, and lone wolfing it and struggling a lot and my big distinction now is like oh we need tribe like mm-hmm. men need men mm-hmm. we need men because i think the difference with we need women as well as a culture. But the difference that I discover with men is like, we challenge each other, right? Men are very clear to challenge each other. We can still hold space and be gentle and compassionate, but there's a different energy that comes with men and we learn from each other, right? It gives you a 360 view. and like, ah, here's my blind spots. And if I know this guy's got me, I know he's willing to give me that healthy conflict <laughs> because he cares because he loves me. And I needed to hear that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a, I think it's a full picture this conversation goes full picture from yourself. And I, and one more piece is, this is also something we need as men to develop at home. That's mm-hmm. how we get our home aligned on the same page. If, if you're trying to implement morning rituals or evening rituals or, or things with the family unit, you have to align your vision and align your spouse's vision and your children's vision. And you have to all get on that same page of like, here's what we're doing. Here's what the mission of the family is. Here's the vision mm-hmm. of where we're going. And you know, here's how we're going to do it. And then if we fall out line of that, it just becomes a course correction because we've all Bought into that, so I think the same tribe triangle can be family unit. It can be how we live ourselves and and who we associate
0: with, or at least have those deep deep connections on a regular basis, and also the communities we build. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I think that that's one reason why a lot of relationships ultimately fail is because that congruency wasn't identified going into it. And there was really two separate geometric shapes, like a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. and And it was destined to fail before it even got started. And then some people spend years, maybe even a lifetime trying to make that square peg fit, but it doesn't work. So I want to backtrack a little bit. We went through a lot of geometric shapes. We had a trauma triangle. We got a tribe triangle. (laughs) So the tribe triangle, I really love. And I just want to ask a little bit more about that. So the first level of alignment between vision, values, and, and mission, I understand that. The kinship piece as well. I want to talk a little bit more about healthy conflicts. And I understand why, at least I believe I understand why you put the word healthy in there. But I wanted you to define that and articulate how that shows up in communities of men and what we need that to look like in communities of men
1: yeah great question so i guess the definition of of healthy conflict is your ability to be authentic and i'd say with that that authenticity there's a lot of times in a group of men and again back to the archetypes for a second just just to take it to the kinship tier Each archetype shows up a little differently. You know, the warriors can tend to be a little bit judgmental, critical. They move really fast, make quick decisions. So they typically engage in a more conflict way. And uh, we've also tied some of the trauma responses, fight, flight, freeze, appease, to the archetype. So you'll notice the warriors fight. The king archetype is a little bit more feeling inadequate, and that's some of their trauma signs. So they tend to flight a little bit in the face of conflict or when Mm. things show up versus the magician tends to freeze or isolate and then the lover tends to appease. So like, for example, I tended to be more lover magician. So when I would move into a conflict situation, I would freeze and appease, meaning I would let go of my authentic truth and I would appease the group in fear of conflict because the lover struggles with conflict and actually because they value relationships so highly, they, they're afraid of losing that, that relationship. So versus the warrior would tend to fight and blow things up, whereas the, the king runs or flights and again the magician freezes. So if we know some of our trauma responses when we get around communities of men instead of falling to those trauma responses or those states we actually learn how to speak our authentic truth. So the lover learns how to express their needs and express a boundary as an example like hey, not okay or mm. you can't treat me this way or hey, I felt really hurt by this conversation. And they can lean into conflict, which is really hard for that that archetype to do. The warriors can reduce their level of fight so they can still lean in, but instead of moving into a shadow of a sadist where they're hurting people or hurting themselves, they can back that up and move from a service-based place of like, hey, I can give, do you want this? Are you ready to hear what I have to share? Mm. The kings can move back from flighting to leaning into that conversation. Mm. And so I think with all these, and then the magicians, instead of freezing and isolating and disappearing, they also lean in. So I think with part of this healthy conflict conversation, that the root of it is, can we lean in with our authentic truth in a community that we know our intention is to serve? And I think mm. that's the the goal of it is what I find in communities of men is we need all of them. Right, it's not about one that runs the show. There's not one way. There is. It's the group dynamic that actually serves the whole. So, mm-hmm. if a conversation as an example, a conversation is running, and somebody's not getting value, if they don't speak the language you use is wild men, if they don't bring their wild men and engage in conflict to say, "I'm not getting value right now," please ground this or please land. You know, help me understand this. Then there's other guys in the group that aren't getting the value. So we need that healthy conflict. If Sometimes that warrior, somebody needs to be challenged. And maybe the gentle approach of a lover who's gentle and compassionate and asking questions isn't working. And that person actually needs the direct, hey, man, you need to get your shit together or handle your shit. And sometimes they need that if done in a service based way. And, you know, the same thing with the lover. Sometimes somebody leading in with the heavy warrior may totally scare somebody and they made a little bit more of a gentle approach. So mm-hmm. when it comes to engaging in healthy conflict, the key is really. Can you speak your authentic truth? Right. And I know, for example, we tend to align with the others. So my business partner is more warrior king. And so with us, we've learned to dialogue. Like for me, I have to come to him and say, Hey, man, I got too much on my plate, which is hard for me mm-hmm. to actually go to him and have the conflict and say, Hey, man, my plate's full. I need help, which is really, really hard. And the same with him. Like we've had to learn how to engage each other in healthy conflict or when something's not working. One of us steps in, we just go, man, you got to run with what you need to run with. So engaging in healthy conflict actually allows you to move faster. And that's that top piece. The resiliency is the culture can thrive because if it doesn't, here's what I'll say, the opposite, if it's not there, this is when guys leave, right? They don't feel safe to share their authentic truth when something's not working instead of getting, because they're afraid to hurt somebody. They're afraid of how they'll be perceived. Maybe in the past they've destroyed people and they're trying to be they're trying to protect destroying people, but in withholding or flighting or whatever they they do and without engaging in it, they leave mm-hmm. or the, the system doesn't work or they move into more of that toxic masculinity where they're hurting each other and then they're back and forth hurting each other instead of engaging in healthy conflict is like, hey man, I need to speak my truth to serve the group. Right. And so I'd say that's the distinction in that. If if you have kinship, then you can understand. And that's why we use the archetypes we understand hey all of us are needed and how we show up with our authentic truth is going to be very different and so i'm not leadership Is leaders go first and they lead with vulnerability and that's a big part of that wild man is vulnerability a big part of healthy conflict is being vulnerable enough to express your truth in a group of, especially with men and i know you work with a lot of men a lot of men are scared of other men because we've had bad experiences through fathers or They use toxic masculinity a lot, but it's just adolescent behavior and different forms of it, whether it was weakling men who never had strong boundaries or couldn't communicate their needs or men that were tyrants or would hurt other people. So that's kind of a lot of masculinity is we've learned that from our fathers. We've learned it from our peer group, or we've learned it through other behavior. Like it's not safe to be authentic. And so a big part of this wave of masculinity coming back is find your tribe. Find a Mm -hmm. tribe that aligns with your values, be around a group of men and learn to engage authentically. And what will come from it is this isn't a group of men, but it's exactly what's needed at home with your spouse. It's exactly what's needed with your kids. It's exactly what's needed for you to actually live the life you want is you have to start to be authentic or integrated with who you are.
0: Yeah. and, And there's a really key component in there that I heard you mention around safety Uh, feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually safe wherever you go to engage in that conflict. Because so much of our lives growing up, we perceive a lack of safety that leads us to adopt any one of those response patterns. Fight, flight, flee, flee appease, right? Freeze, freeze, appease, all all that stuff that it's, it's just learning to survive. So a huge part of creating that safety is what allows for that healthy conflict. For someone to have the confidence to speak what their gut is saying and say, hey dude, I know you, that sounds like bullshit. That's not real. And I know I can say that because you know that I'm not trying to pound you into the sand. I'm trying to help you see a blind spot. And I, I'm reminded of where I met you actually, when we were at the Sacred Suns Convergence and one of their activities and having us physically engage with each other and being witnessed in that. It's so edgy, right? Just that, that physical activity that requires safety, that requires agreements around how we're gonna conduct ourselves, knowing that I'm not here to defeat you and I don't need to come out as the victor here so that everyone will approve of me. And so I don't get kicked out of the community, a level of respect, a level of mutual growth that is agreed upon having there that allows us to engage there. Cause stepping into that ring and, and squaring off with another man is super edgy because it, it fires off all those triggers that we have around conflict. I know that was my experience and I know other people experience that too. So I love that man. I love what, everything that you said there and and I think the safety piece is what really gets to be established. Otherwise, as soon as I mean whether you're a man, woman, child, whoever, as soon as you determine that where you are or how you are in relationship with other people is not safe, you change fundamentally. You either walk away from it or you stay in it with your guard up and it's not real anymore. Yes, spot
1: on. 100% agree with that. I I think that's the level of safety and trust and I think where we've just transparency even where we're learning as a community is we've established so much trust that we're now learning like how do we bring a little bit more wild men? how do we bring a little bit more conflict how do we bring that even stronger because we found there was so much safety and trust that some guys still weren't engaging you know in their authenticity because they wanted to keep a safe container so i find there's levels within that like how do you create safety and respect and then how do you also bring your authentic truth and i think we're still learning is where Mm -hmm. we're at is like where does that line fall and how do we get better at leaning into that and i think that's as leaders what we're constantly doing is we're Assessing where the group is, taking ownership of the community, of the group, and then saying, how do we increase that in us? <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like, so there's, I find there's levels in this and it's, it's a process, right? It's a lifetime process ultimately that we're constantly growing. But I completely agree. Safety is so important. And I think for men, many of them in listening, they may not have experienced that before. They may mm-hmm. experience a little bit on the team, maybe if they were on a really cool either sports team or, military or if they're fire or police or even in their family unit or a group of men, but it may not have been completely safe. So it may sound a little foreign, even what we're talking about is like, what does it feel to feel safe? But Mm -hmm. what I'll say is that is really kinship. When you have kinship with the community that subscribes to similar values, mission, vision, and you learn how to communicate, you start to feel your nervous system calm down. You start to feel safe. And that's where you feel a brotherhood. You start to feel Mm -hmm. like, ah, I got a brotherhood. I can feel safe to be me. Mm -hmm. And then that's a whole nother feeling with men. Our guard's not up. Your armor's not on. We're used to just walking around with like layers of armor, right? Armored up. And and that's why we self-sabotage, right? That's why we don't get the things we want or we destroy our family units because we're so used to armored up. We don't know how to take the armor off. So my experience Mm -hmm. has been, it starts first in men, at least for men, like, If we can do it first with men and build safety, then we learn how to start to do it in other areas of our life. at least that's been my personal experience around it.
0: I agree, man. And very much aligned with the way I see things is that we come and we do this work together Mm -hmm. so that we can be those pillars of safety when we go into our home environments. Because the reality is, is this sometimes that I've got to, Manage and and direct and command myself and my internal climate for the sake of my family, for the sake of my wife, for my kids, for everyone around me. But there still needs to be a place where I can go where the mask and the armor comes off. I mean, this is, this is not a new thing. There's so many people talking about it these days, but it's one thing to talk about that on a podcast or conceptually. It's a whole nother thing to experience that in real life, in the moment, to actually have that support, to actually have the place where you can go to do that. And that's why these communities are so important. And... I'll speak very candidly here, man, it's, it's a challenge, especially given the nature of the world right now with COVID and the pandemic. But even before that, just to rally men together, to see the value of coming together and taking off the armor and showing me you're ugly so that I can mirror it back to you and let you know that it's really not ugly and it's not unique, mm. it's a challenge, man. It's proven to be really difficult. So I wanted to, with that last piece of the tribe triangle, I know there's that resiliency element that you bring into it. You know, I think you said the part where if you've built the rest of the triangle, the rest of the foundation properly, then the community can carry itself forward. I'm finding myself right now in a stage where it's, it's like, it's, it's hanging on while the the cement settles, (laughs) you know, staying true to it, holding on for sake of the greater vision, for sake of the mission at hand. I know that you've been in a a somewhat of a similar state recently. So I wanted to open up that dialogue now and use that as an opportunity to speak about resilience.
1: Great. Yeah. I'd say there's, and I do a lot of work with, grief and death and loss. So I I do a lot of work on the part of the light and fun stuff in life.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) And a a lot of the frameworks came from this. And I do a lot of work with veterans and first responders that are dealing with heavy trauma. It started first with men. And then I I had some first responders come and I saw how effective it was. And then it's moved into that really strongly now. And the way I look at it now is I have a framework where there's we do through valor, where there's three primary components of resiliency. One is uh, the ability to reintegrate so the reintegration is if you go to work, if you do something, a lot of times you still need to put the armor on, especially if somebody's a firefighter, police officer, ER doctor. There's a lot of construction worker. There's a lot of roles where in order to do your job effectively, you actually need to put the armor on and it serves you. To, so you reintegrate from your home unit into your work environment. So the key is you need to be able to reintegrate back home. And if you do take on trauma, if you do take on things, you have to know how to build awareness around that, what to do around it. But the big key is... What is your reintegration strategy? The easy metaphor is like, how do you take the armor off to come home? Because imagine if you were walking around with armor all day, and then imagine walking into your front door and opening the door, and you're coated in armor. Like imagine those knights that were just armored from head to toe, and even their faces—they just got a little slit through their their eyes. And imagine walking in the door. Now imagine giving your spouse a hug, mm-hmm. and imagine trying to hug your kids, and walking out back and trying to see a sunset through a little armor life gets a little meaningless. So you have to know how to take the armor off to feel, which is emotion. And if you if you suppress the pain and the sadness and the grief, like most of us were taught, you also suppress the joy, the excitement, the passion, the happiness. So you can't suppress one without the other. So you need to learn to take the armor off. You need to learn to start to feel if you want to live a fulfilling life full of vitality. So that's one piece is the be able to reintegrate. The second piece is purification. So I like metaphors a lot. So if you think of a truck, we put this oil into the truck which is like this golden type you know substance and then as it's taking on heavy you know heavy output from the truck it turns black or the vehicle turns black and if you don't change the oil at some point your engine will seize mm-hmm. so if you're not doing purification practices if you're not changing the oil out for you as an individual eventually you'll see so purification is meditation things that you transmute the energy going out in nature i know you do some epic retreats in the mountains where Deep purification, letting things go, you know, that that process can be very, very, very helpful. Visioning quest, right? That's very a, a purification process, deep purification. Mm-hmm. And also things like singing, dance, movement, anything creative based, right? Where you're playing music, you're feeling what you're feeling, but you're transmuting that energy into something else. And so those are the three components of purification. And this is the last component is regulation. And the key with regulation is we all move through a trauma response and our bodies are built to protect us. That's why we're still alive. And when we move into a survival response, our nervous system is getting put on overdrive. And in that overdrive, we're in that fight, flight, freeze, appease. And some professions, that's what you do 24-7, right? So when you're in that high regulated state, and most of us live in so much stress, where we don't realize it, but we're in heavy unregulated territory on a regular basis. So you have to know how to turn the switch off. And there's about six, there's a bunch more, but the six ones I usually talk about are ways to regulate. Just think about this. Imagine Another metaphor back to the truck, what happens when you start to run out of gas? Like, Is it kind of a pain in the ass to go to the gas station and put gas in the car? You have to pay mm-hmm. money, you have to put gas in the car, but if you don't do it, do you want to run out of gas on the freeway or do you want to run out of gas on your trip? No, you don't want the pain of that. So mm-hmm. you're willing to sacrifice the time, the energy, the money, and the work to put gas in your car in order to keep driving smooth it's a very same metaphor to this. So when you're unregulated or when you're in an activated state for too long is when we start to break down and we get stuck on hypervigilance. And when we're there too long, that's anxiety, panic attacks, zero to 60 hairline triggers. And then if we stay there too long, we burn out and we hit these cortisol crashes and that's when we get depression, fatigue, exhaustion, and all these other ones. And that's when a lot of high-risk behavior happens uh, because mm-hmm. we're trying to get back up. We're, the body finds ways to regulate. They're just usually in addictions and all these other ways, but it's your body's actually serving you by regulating. So if you can become aware of when you're the tank's low and learn to flip the switch, you're basically activating your vagus nerve, which is the part of your body that turns on your parasympathetic nervous system, which relaxes you. So, the ways to do it are breath work, but breath work where you're breathing in for a count of, let's say, four and breathing out for six or eight. So, the big key is you want to be doing like six minutes of breathing where you're breathing out longer than you're breathing in. Uh, Second component would be touch. So, that's why equestrian therapy works, spending time with your dog or your cat, even your spouse or loved one. But if if you can get touch, really helpful to regulate your nervous system, calm you down. Third one is cold water immersion. So, That's why a lot of us love this cold water immersion, whether it's doing cold plunges or even just splashing cold water on three quarters of your face instantly starts to regulate your nervous system. Uh, Next one is just vocal cords. So singing, laughing, um, humming. Um, If you could be singing on your way home in the car or humming a tune, um, this starts to activate your vagus nerves in part of your neck, and that can regulate it. Uh, Next one's exercise. So establish an exercise practice, whether it be the gym or you know, martial arts or anything that you can do yoga, just something to get in your body because you're getting out in the body, in the nervous system. And then the last one is just being around healthy community. If you could be around a really safe tribe and community um, and they're regulated, you'll start to regulate. So Mm -hmm. those are just three components that have been brought back from all ancient warriors did them, and we need to bring it back because we live in high stress. So Mm -hmm. again, resiliency, Reintegrate back home, learn to reintegrate back home and also communicate that with your family. If you have a heavy stress day, you need to have a heavier resiliency protocol in place to deal with that day. So mm-hmm. COVID's going on. We have a lot of veterans that are really in a lot of pain around Afghanistan. Haiti's going on, lots of different things going on, plus COVID. So make sure you may need increased purification practices, regulation practices, and you may need heavier reintegration rituals to come back home again because. You could have all the things in the tribe triangle in place, but if you're unregulated and you're in a heavy stress response, you're unaware. You're moving to survive. As you mentioned earlier, you're in survival mechanisms because your body says you're not safe from some Mm -hmm. past trauma. And if you can take control of that, recognize it and start to build these practices in, it's going to be hard. You don't feel like doing it. You don't feel like breathing when you're highly unregulated. You don't feel like going out in nature on a walk. You don't feel like doing a vision quest and going with you and know sitting in nature and and purifying yourself. But if you do these practices and put them into place, you get your life back. Right. And you start to become like your old ways of regulating disappear and you replace them with the new ways to fill up your tank. And then you can embrace your family and make them family practices. And that's really the highest level of it is like uh, as a community, as a culture, as a family, we're all doing these practices together. So that Mm -hmm. when somebody's in pain, we're not teaching them to avoid it, put it in a box, run from the pain. Instead, we're saying like, hey, you're in pain. Guess what? I get in pain too. And when I'm in pain, this is what we do. Let's breathe. Or Mm -hmm. hey, let's breathe. Let's sit around and hold hands for a minute and let's breathe as a family. Or we can create fun games and throw a flag in the house if somebody's offline and everybody has to sit and breathe. And you know, so you can create, you can make it fun and you can make it a game. But if you can bring your family unit into it, if you're in a regulated state, you're calm, cool, collected. You're in the part of your brain which is the prefrontal cortex, which is compassion, empathy, and executive function. Which is like you have access to all these options. If you're unregulated, you're black and white. You're in the back of your brain, your Hulk brain, and you're in a fight, flight, freeze, appease. You're trying to survive, so you just can't function at the highest level if you're in an unregulated place. So, learning how to have that self-control to regulate gives you access, gives you power, and we're around people. So how can you really function in a loving way if you don't have compassion, if you don't have empathy, and you really don't have options to like, what else could this mean right now? Ah, oh, my mm-hmm. spouse had a really tough day, has nothing to do with me. Like, ah, oh, they're offline, what can I do to support them? So instead of jumping into a fight or leaving, you now put your arm around them and say, hey, looks like you had a tough day. What do you need from me right now? And that really changes the game because now you've aligned on all these other levels, and then you're functioning really high and you have the awareness to recognize it's usually not about each other. <laughs> We're usually in a body's in a rate unregulated state because it's reacting to some past trauma and has nothing to do with your partner. But if we, if we can't see it, then we end up creating fighting about the dishes. And now in your family unit at home, when you should be the tightest and the tightest team in the supportive unit, you're now in a fight about the dishes because you're both unregulated. And so Mm -hmm. if you can recognize this and move to supporting and coming together, you now move from, you know, fighting to intimacy or a a different level of connection where, oh, we're a team. You got me. I got you. So it's just a, it's a different level to live where you're living from compassion and empathy.
0: Yeah. I love it, man. I, I want to encourage everybody to go, go back a couple of minutes and listen to those, those six measures that you can do. Cause they're so simple. They're so accessible. Some of them may require some resources in form of time, money, and energy, but not much. It's very, it's actually very simple. I really like the part about regulating as a family. And I was listening and when, and when you were shuffling them off, I'm like, okay, Yeah. I've done that before. Yeah, no, no, I'm not doing that. I could be doing that. And oh, wow, yeah, that'd be great to do as a family. Uh, so I really appreciate that reminder, man. And and also to just balance that piece out that it, it's challenging. It's it, We do live in a world where it's challenging to remember to do these things. And I think that is the value of community, is having more eyes looking out for each other. And when we have a critical mass where there's enough of us who have these practices embodied in this culture and this way of being integrated into how we are just the fabric of how we are, then we're never all, on the down spike, right? There's always somebody who's on, who's on the up spike that can pull help pull us out of it or even just mirror back to remi- to remind us. It's a remembering of who we are and how we do this. That is it brings me back to the communities of men. The visions I have in my head of of men just waking up and training together, doing their practices together when we we oftentimes we come together for brief moments where we do this and and my greater vision is that we are doing this with our families when we're with our families, but that we also have room and space for us to do this as men always together. Because otherwise, when we do get together for these brief moments, we're having to catch up again. And that's been the frustration for me about the virtual space. And I've spoken openly about this with our Fire Circle community is we're spending so much time having to catch up again and get the fire started instead of sustaining the fire. And how can we do that better? That's the piece that I think we're in a similar phase of how can we build this more effectively so we're not having to restart the fire that it just stays lit and that Mm. we can add more to it as we go
1: Mm. i love that yeah it's like continuing the torch right continuing that flame like fanning the flame Uh (laughs) uh-huh right continuing to
0: fan it so it catches deeper and more fully yeah, you drop so much great stuff in there, man. I really appreciate you bringing that wisdom here. A lot of stuff to digest. I think I, I, I right now I just want to let people who've been listening all the way through just sit back and digest it, and and maybe take a second pass because you were you were machine gunning off some some wisdom there, <laughs> dude, which I love, I love, and I appreciate that so much, so much to to carve up in there. And I would encourage people to go and give you a follow and, and see the work that you and Philip are doing together because it's really really good stuff, very parallel to what we've got here in our community. So before I let you go, because I know we got to start. Bringing this to a close here, is, is there anything else that you want to make sure you convey while you have everybody's attention? Anything else that you want to speak to the men who might be listening to this today? Yeah, I, I do. What's coming up for me in this moment
1: is it's never too late. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of men who, because of shame or whatever they felt, you know, maybe they haven't been as present with their spouse or their kids or whatever did their mission, their initial vision from childhood. What whatever it is for you, just recognize it's not too late. Like just start now. Like just start now. And I I think if you can really let that land, just start now and trust that life is happening for you, not to you. And it doesn't matter when you start, but just choose now. Like just Mm -hmm. choose to do whatever you need to do. Choose to do the work, choose to find a community, choose to rebuild with your spouse or your kids, or start a new relationship that is aligned with vision and values. Or Whatever it is, whatever your heart is feeling loss of hope for, like just know it's not too late. And we have countless of examples of guys who turn their whole lives around very quickly. And so it's just a decision. Just decide Mm -hmm. that you're going to start now. If you can really embody that, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter how bleak life feels, if you just choose to
0: start now and know it's not too late. I think that could change the whole course of your trajectory. Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. I love that. All right. So before I cut you loose, I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. You ready? Cool. Yeah. So what is one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18? The value of tribe, community, like Mm -hmm. actually having a community and not being
1: a lone wolf. My life would be dramatically different if I had a safe community around me that supported
0: and elevated me. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Integrity with our thoughts, words, and actions. And last but not least, what does the world need most from men right now?
1: Leadership. I believe men are the source of most of our problems and men are also the solution. And so it takes leadership and leading from your heart and leading from your authentic nature. So we need leadership.
0: Joshua, where can people go to follow you, learn more about what you guys are doing, hear more about what's going on with K4 and Valor? Give us all the info.
1: Yep. So my personal is Joshua Michael Wenner, Instagram, Facebook. They can also go to, I have my own site, Joshua Wenner. They can also go to K4 men, which is our men's community. We also have Valor Resiliency, which is our first responder group. And then I have ERT method is my emotional resilience training. And so those are the different ways they can get it connected, stay connected.
0: Awesome, man. Lovely to have you on here, dude. Really great to connect. I'm excited to see what you've put together continue to grow. And, and also looking forward to collaborating on the front lines here, man. I think that's that's one of my biggest takeaways here is just that reminder of how important it is for us to link arms and that the like, like we said before we started recording, the, the threat is on the other side of the wall. Right. Mm-hmm. We're in this one together, man. So yeah, thank you for coming on here today and taking the time. Thanks, Jetty. It's been an honor and a pleasure, man. Really grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. You got it. All right, everybody, make sure you head over to risingman.org to check out the links and resources for this episode to know where you can go to find Joshua and learn more about K4 and Valor and emotional resilience training, everything that he's got going on. It's all there for you at risingman.org. While you're at it, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. If you don't know, we're putting out amazing video content each and every week pertaining to the podcast, but also in addition to the podcast. So you don't want to miss it. Head over to our YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button so that you get the updates every time we drop that new fire. Please follow us on Instagram at rising man movement as well. And big, big love and shout outs and thank yous and gratitudes to each and every one of you who are listening every week, every one of you who are joining us in ignite, who are stepping forward to be a part of the rising man community in a bigger way, or even if you're just listening and supporting energetically, I want to thank you. Every level of contribution to this is what helps this movement grow. So I want to thank you for that from the bottom of my heart and for on behalf of the whole Rising Man community. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.